This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum. Hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats. I'm so excited for you to meet my guest today who describes herself as an international recipe hunter. Hanan Sayed Worrell is the author of Table Tales, the global nomad cuisine of Abu Dhabi, a collection of recipes that paint a picture of the history of the nation's capital over the last half century. She's going to be joining us to give us an insight into her book ahead of her appearance at El Rawi restaurant this weekend where you can meet her. She's going to be doing a book signing and cooking demo and in the second hour of the show, Mr. and Mrs. Muscle, Mike and Viv, they're back. And we are going to be talking core strength and how to get through the holidays relatively unscathed when it comes to your health and fitness. One study says that weighing yourself throughout the holidays can help you keep that extra weight off. So we're going to get their opinion on that, plus a lot more. That's all coming up with me, Sally Musa, on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. How does food tell the story of a city and its people? Table Tales is the story of a community forming itself through the sharing of food, traditions and culture. Spanning the last half century, it presents a slice of the social history of Abu Dhabi through the stories and recipes of locals and expats who have made that city home. We welcome now the author of the book, someone who describes herself as an international recipe hunter, Hanan Sayed Worrell, author of Table Tales. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Hello, Sally. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Now, um, congratulations, first of all, Mabruk, on the launch of such a beautiful book. It's amazing. We've got it here uh, with us in the studio. We'll get a glimpse into it in just a moment. Um, but I want to kind of see where all of this started for you because um, you're actually an engineer, uh, but somebody who has a, a deep love of food and culture and history and stories. Um, and I think you've brought all of these elements together beautifully in the book. Um, so tell me a bit more about your background and uh, as your father used to call it, Al-Ma'id Al-Mustadira. Well, it's sort of where it all began, at Al-Ma'id Al-Mustadira, our round table at home in the outskirts of Kuwait City, Surra, for those who may have lived in Kuwait. And my father uh, made a point that we ate a meal together every day. Actually, we couldn't eat until he was home. So that was that was the, uh, what we did. And through that, we it created a sense of, you know, family, a sense of sharing the ups and downs. We were four siblings. Um, we had a quite a quite a regimented upbringing, I would say. And so um, part of it was to. Uh, you know, focus on our studies and do well and go to top universities. So the kitchen was really off limits growing up. It wasn't something, you know, it's kind of ironic to be, you know, doing a cookbook um, when I didn't grow up in the kitchen. Um, but I did grow up around the round table. I did grow up with a close-knit family. And the engineering that I studied actually really paid off when it came to doing this book. It's interesting because, you know, there there is uh, actually quite a bit in common when you're talking about engineering and you're talking about cooking. 
isn't there? Absolutely. And it's, you know, when I started thinking about it, I mean, one, there's the process of putting the book together. So, you know, having that sort of engineering left brain project management skills came in really handy in Mm. terms of planning it and just going through with it. Mm. Also writing recipes in a way is sort of like a specifications. You've got a set of instructions, a set of ingredients, you've got conversions. It is absolutely. You're weighing flour, you're thinking about it, the moisture content of flour, like you kind of do when you're thinking of cement. And so, and I mean, it's, it's not a literal, but in many ways, I remembered when I was taking my first concrete class at Stanford University and Professor Paulson at the time, um, who was the guru of concrete, kind of, I was only woman in the class, which again, was a bit surprising being in the States. This is back in the 80s. And he looks at me and he says, you know, mixing concrete is very much like baking a cake. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm supposed to be here learning about engineering. Where is this going? I was never allowed in the kitchen, according to my dad. Um, And then he he describes it, you know, the way you put all of the dry ingredients together. And then you put the the fruitcake. Actually, he was specifically as a fruitcake was what he was describing. And then you put it in the oven and then the heat converts it into this cake. And then the fruits are suspended in it, similar to the process of concrete, which I won't bore you with today. But then he said... Good engineers learn how to how to have a feel for a concrete mix. So that really stayed with me that even though something is is perceived as very precise like engineering, it still is about experience and a feel and having a sense for what's right. You learned a lot actually in the US at Stanford in California in the US but before that growing up in Kuwait uh, with your family, uh, you've got uh, Syrian, Lebanese, Egyptian, uh, all in there. Tell me about food growing up, the kind of food that um, that you had that in- informed your upbringing and, and how that made you feel. I mean, actually, I think that's something that's made me, when I say international recipe hunters, I didn't grow up with one specific cuisine at the time in the 70s you know 70s and 80s you're if you're living in this part of the world you're either eating Lebanese or you're Palestinian eating Jordanian so in given my grandma was Syrian my mother is Syrian Lebanese my father's Egyptian and so it was a negotiation of what yes. was going to be put on the table because we would go and spend the summers with my grandmother in our in her home in Su'el Gharib in Lebanon in the mountains and she would cook the delicious Syrian dishes, you know, fette and ajje and, um, you know, all the kinds of kibbe and uh, labaniye. And we loved that. And we would come back to Kuwait and my mother my mother was a was a teacher and so she was not in the kitchen all the time we had a couple cooks that she trained but you know she would teach them a few things but my dad really liked the Egyptian food he'd been away from his country for a while he missed it and so it made my mom learn how to do them but it wasn't like a wholehearted thing. Like she had never lived in Egypt, so she didn't know how to... And the mahshi was different, you know, the Lebanese mahshi versus the Egyptian mahshi, which is like stuffed squash yeah. or eggplant. The herbs that went in it, it didn't have a sauce. It was kind of a dry. The ul'as, uh, the mulukhiya was different. Um, the knafe, you know, knafe in the Egyptian one had the nuts in it. And, you know, we loved the gooey cheese uh, knafe. So... Bit by bit, she learned, we learned, and we've now, you know, I've now have a very eclectic uh, sort of menu I love when it. people come over. 
I love it. It's true. This is what happens in in, in um, even when you've got like okay. So I'm Iraqi. My husband's Palestinian, Jordanian. There is still that thing between okay, your Kursa is different to my Kursa, and you know your Mashi is different. Yeah, it's all there. It's always there. Um, but what I love is actually you learned a lot when you went uh, to the U.S. to university. <laughs> this is this kind of opened up a whole new world of food to you. We're going to be talking about that next. Uh, with Hanan Sayed Worrell and her fabulous new book, uh, Table Tales, uh, going into the global nomad cuisine of Abu Dhabi and uh, how does food uh, tell the story of a city and its people. That's all coming up on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yes, we are back with Hanan Sayed Worrell. She is the author of Table Tales, uh, an incredible book uh, that documents the history uh, of Abu Dhabi through people, the people that make up the incredibly diverse va- fabric of that city, um, as well as the recipes that they share. And uh, we kind of left off talking about your own personal story, um, Hanan, and uh, you grew up, of course, in Kuwait, um, and then went to university uh, studying engineering in the US, but actually you learned a lot more than engineering there. I sure did. I went from Kuwait City to California, and I'm not realizing that California was really not representative of the whole U.S. at the time and quite quite uh, avant-garde and everything to do with food. Um, it was the beginning of that my my introduction to, you know, to things like alfalfa sprouts and yeah. and tofu <laughs> and miso soup That's and so avocado Cali. and <laughs> That's so Cali, right? It, absolutely. And before it became, you know, big everywhere else. Yeah. The, the food trends happened there. Right. And we yeah. shopped in, you know, at the co-op in Palo Alto and we bought our nuts and grains and seeds in bulk. We made our home, own granola. We had a we made our yogurt from culture we made sourdough bread from love it you know so these were things that I thought oh this is America this is how everybody eats and you also learned from uh, your classmates as well my roommates were actually foundational in that. I mean, that's the first time that I really cooked. As I said, I did not grow up in the kitchen in Kuwait um, or Lebanon for that matter. I arrived in California, had a roommate, Sue Nelson, from Newport Beach, and she would go home and come back on the long weekends, and she would have batches of chocolate chip cookies and peanut butter cookies and oatmeal raisin and... You know, this is yeah. the 80s. Had never seen a cookie before, right? This like, is proper American food now. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I took a bite and I was definitely converted. And I started, you know, asking her for recipes. I copied them. I was, you know, realized that you can make these things. Yeah. I, I love that. What's your favorite thing that, that you learned how to make? Actually, it's quite simple. But one of the things that we survived on with my roommates in California, Kath and Beck, were quesadillas. Quesadillas, Quesadillas. We would get really good cheese. Mexican food, yeah. Yep, it was easy. One one of my roommates was from San Diego, so calf. Yeah, yeah, Growing up there, so that was, she brought that in, and we would just whip them up in the evening if we were studying late, so that was one of them. I love it. Amazing. Okay, and then, um, and then you made your way back to Abu Dhabi. You came back to the Middle East. Uh, You got married. You made your way back to the Middle East. Uh, Tell us that kind of story, and kind of discovering a whole new life and a whole new city there. Well, even, you know, before that, when I was in the States, I felt like 
I want to come back to the Arab world. I was connected to it culturally. I wanted to be part of it. And so an opportunity presented itself. I was working in California, and then I ended up back in Kuwait. Mm. This is pre-Gulf War One, pre-1990. And that's where I met my husband, Steve. And we got married and thought we were going to have, you know, raise a family in Kuwait. And then the invasion happens. Yeah. And we end up, you know, crisscrossing back and forth between North America, South America, and the Middle East. And we were we landed in Abu Dhabi in 1993. And I was supposed to be for an 18-month project. And here we are, 25 years later. <laughs> we still call Abu Dhabi home. Um, we're very fortunate. We're really, you know, we've had just an amazing time there. But it was not by design. It was, you know, a few months at a time, like it is for many people. It is so funny because everybody says, oh, yeah, I'll do a year or two in the UAE. And then you end up staying, you know, a good decade or two, which yeah. is incredible and, and speaks to the beauty of the place where we call home now. Right. Absolutely. And that was one of that's one of the the sort of motivation behind the book was really um, how do I capture this experience that we've had and that so many people have had. I mean, it's not it's not unique uh, to us, but especially in Abu Dhabi, it's a city that when you first visit as a visitor or a newcomer, it comes across a little bit impermeable. It's hard to understand. It's not an extrovert city. I say it's more of an introvert. Um, and so really, you need to know it's hidden gems. Yes. And that's what I felt like since I'd been there 25 years and we really had these special relationships um, that I wanted to share that. And I am I wanted to do it in a way that was kind of um, solid so that the book became, you know, the format that I was yeah. most comfortable with. Absolutely. And and I love the way that you uh, kind of put the, the book together. Um, it's not like a normal recipe book. It's really kind of, it's focused more on the stories and then the stories bring the recipes with them. Um, so tell me about kind of, you know, w when you thought, okay, food is really a language that, you know, it's, an, it's, a, it's a doorway to culture and to people and to stories and putting that into a book. Yeah, I mean, the food here could be as a metaphor as well. Um, it, but it is, it is the main thing. It's the common denominator. If we want to go back to engineering terms, it is what brings us together. It is what we all share at the end of the day, no matter, you know, who you are, what you have, what you brought with you when you come from a different city to make this home. Food is what you hold on to most. You may not bring your personal photographs or your furniture, but you're going to bring your food with you. And yeah. so we, you know, we've had, we, we grew up or not. We grew up. We basically lived in Abu Dhabi in a way where most of our entertaining most of our socializing was done around the table i mean whether it's a social occasion a professional occasion you go to rent a car and the they'll offer you coffee and they'll offer you dates it's at the, the arab car way isn't it it's the arab way it's yeah. hospitality and we were we were even though i am arab i lived in this region but there was something special about the hospitality that was extended to us and to everybody in in Abu Dhabi that I wanted to reflect and give back in a way. Yeah. Um, we felt that, I felt that at work. I were in my first job here with the presidential flight of, uh, of Abu Dhabi. Um, there was the very the ritual of the morning gahwa uh, of the rotab, um, of the chabab having, you know, mid-morning snack that uh, 
different colleagues would bring from home. There wasn't the takeaway and delivery culture that exists now right. at the time. So people brought it from home. So we were immediately sharing food. And that's how, you know, obviously it brings people together as well. Um, tell me about some of the things that people brought in. I love that idea that people, you know, are obviously they were cooking more at that time. Uh, and bringing things in. Did you discover interesting and new food at that t- at that point? Well, at that time, I was really discovering Emirati food. Yeah. I mean, we would have chabab in the morning, we'd have balalit, we'd have haris on different occasions. And that's what most of the of uh, my Emirati colleagues brought in. And then uh, my boss at the time, the CEO, the late Pat King, he decided that he needed to be a bit more on a healthy diet because he was... He was savoring a little too much of these. So he, his wife, uh, yeah. Audrey King, started sending bananas with him. So he had a bowl uh, on his on his desk that had bananas. And when they would go rotten, he would be about to throw them out. And I said, Pat, please don't throw them. I can do something with them. And in the book is my banana bread. And I love making banana bread. And it's really good with rotten bananas almost rotten almost not rotten, quite sorry. okay yes. really really soft <laughs> really soft too that you f- sweet to eat right that you freeze yeah so you really yes. capture that essence in there so i would make banana bread i would turn these bananas banana bread and i'd bring it into work <laughs> and he was like this is still not going to help my waistline <laughs> oh i love it that's amazing um so yes that's one of the the recipes that you can find uh in the book there uh but i want to talk to you about um you know how did you go about choosing the personalities that form the book as it is now was really tough. I mean, it's Imagine. it's difficult to make the choices. There's so many people that I know that I met in this process that have interesting stories and and love. I mean, the people in it basically, I I they have love for food, um, but it's also the spirit of generosity, the the notion of hospitality, of welcoming people into your home. And when I thought of how to structure the book, you know, you have to have chapters at the end of the day, and it's not a conventional cookbook, so it's not going to be by ingredient or by uh, course. Um, I thought of different ways, and, and I realized the story I'm trying to tell is about time as well, yes. because time has a sense here of telescoping where sometimes the hours run into each other the years become like seasons and so time was was a key thing and I decided to organize the book chronologically you go by decades and so that helped me identify the people in terms of the decades they arrived at Abu Dhabi because I wanted the stories of the different people to kind of tell the story of that decade as well right and they do and I love how uh, you started with the uh, the banana breads there. It's in your introduction. Uh, but you start from the 1960s uh, with our current Minister of State, uh, Zeki Naseva, who actually is Palestinian, but he's Emirati, um, which is quite extraordinary. I love that you started with him. Tell me about that. Well, when I first approached, I mean, uh, Dr. Zeki is a, is a dear friend and someone I met early on when we moved here. And he's um, in my work in the arts, he's in culture, he's really been instrumental in many ways and a, a wealth of knowledge. So when I approached him and I said, Dr. Zeki, I'm considering doing this book and I would love for you to contribute a recipe. And so he looked at me a little befuddled. I'm like, I I don't cook. I you know recipes are not my thing. I'm happy to, to you know contribute uh, some words or some essay. And, right. Um, and I and I said no, but but it's really about your hospitality. He's so generous and so hospitable and so welcoming. And when you go to his home, one of the things that he offers that most many people remember 
is za'atar shai. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a lot of the of Westerners that visit who don't think of za'atar as an herb that you could drink, but more as an herb that you cook with. Um, right. You know, usually you have za'atar on mana'ish and things like that, um, if you know the mana'ish. But you can put it in, in tea as well. Yeah. And it's simple and it's healthy and it has a lot of uh, health, healthy digestive effects. So he then realized that, okay, I'll, I can do this. Zatar is my recipe, his recipe. I love that. So that's in the book as well. Uh, we're going to be talk- talking about uh, some other extraordinary people that you have in there who have uh, shaped the history, not only of Abu Dhabi, but of the nation as well, uh, particularly as it's uh, the year of Zayed. Uh, Frauke Heard B and uh, David Heard as well. Uh, quite amazing. We're going to be talking about their story next uh, with Hanan Sayed Warl, the author of Table Tales. That's coming up next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, we're talking food, we're talking stories, we are talking Abu Dhabi, the nation's capital. Uh, but also, as we just heard there, Sami Youssef, he's going to be performing live uh, on the 14th of December at Al Majaz Waterfront at the amphitheater there for the Sharjah Munshid Grand Finale. It's going to be Absolutely incredible having him there, uh, having all of the contestants there as well. The uh, the winner of the 11th season, can't believe it's the 11th season, of the Sharjah Munshid is also going to be announced that night. And uh, they're all going to be performing at 30 dirhams, just 30 dirhams. How ridiculous to just go and uh, see all of that, see Sami Youssef. Global superstar, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, as we just heard there, one of his songs, uh, All I Need. Uh, he sings in different languages. He's an incredible, amazing, amazing man. Seeing him live uh, is even better. So make sure you get your tickets. They're available here at SMC, at the Sharjah Media Corporation, uh, but also at the box office at the Al Majaz Amphitheater. So make sure uh, you get those. And on Thursday night is, of course, the semi finals of the Sharjah Munshid, also uh, at uh, the Al Majaz uh, Amphitheater. I believe that our guest uh, feels like going as well. Absolutely. You've sold me on it. I'm going. I'm going to stay in the new hotel if it's open in Sharjah. Al Bayt. Yeah, opens on the 14th. Which I've been watching. We're the... so excited. Yeah, it, it looks amazing. I think you would love it. For somebody who loves history and culture and beauty and food, this is uh, the place to be. I love that part of Sharjah. I spent a lot of time there and I'm really looking forward to being there this weekend before yes, our demo. Exactly. The heart of Sharjah is where it's all happening. And a Rawi restaurant, of course. Uh, we are talking table tales, the global nomad cuisine of Abu Dhabi with the author herself, Hanan Sayed Worrell. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, or two, in fact, of the personalities featured in the book um, have an incredible history here. Frauke Herdbey and David Hurd. Uh, as well. Um, Frauke is, of course, the historian who documented the story of uh, the late Sheikh Zayed, which is extraordinary. Tell me about her her being part of the book. So that was another daunting uh, uh, approach, but I've met Frauke and David again in the 90s when I first came here, and they've really been invaluable and great friends and just an invaluable resource on anything that I needed to know. So I went to Frauke and asked her 
I wanted her there to also share part of what life was like in the 60s when she first came as a Western expat. Um, what was there to eat? Where, how did she have three kids? How did she feed the kids? What was the social life like? Um, and so at first, her reaction was similar. She's, you know, many people ask me for, to contribute scholarly essays. Nobody's asked <laughs> me to contribute a recipe. And I, so I, persisted and and she obliged and um, but obviously as a historian it had to be a well thought out uh, recipe and so she went back home in the summer um, this is about three summers ago by now 2015 when we started the conversation and she looked through her uh, late mother's belongings and came across this brown manila envelope that had not been open and she opened it and found a, a cookbook dated 1805, um, dedicated to um, a woman named Sabine uh, that she did not know. And so her historian uh, uh, self set about to unravel that mystery. And then she found out that it was her great-great-grandmother. She picked a recipe um, from that book, which is the one that we have here, the apple uh, torta on a decal, which is an apple tart without a lid, translated literally. Mm. But the, the recipe was written in the old German. And because she's a historian, she was able to read it and decipher wow. it. However, the recipe was also written for cooking at that time. So there's no oven temperatures. The uh, uh, size of apples she discovers are different there than they are now. So she had to experiment with the recipe a few times with the, uh, the, the different ingredients until she got it right. And I've tested it three times. I've taken it to the office. Everybody loves it. And I'm really happy that, that we have her recipe. You know, I love that the fact that, you know, you creating this book has completely unearthed a whole bunch of other stories and histories that the actual participants in the book had discovered, didn't know about themselves. That's amazing. And Frauke now has set out to, dis to translate the rest of the book into a German and English and like her family wow. can use. I love that. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be because of you. Wow, that's fantastic. And of course, um, you have people from everywhere, from uh, Lebanon, uh, the United States. Um, you've got uh, Reem Orfali from Iraq. We have to talk about Reem as well. Um, tell me about her being part of the book. Well, Reem, I mean... The way I met Reem was also a very interesting um, <laughs> encounter. And so we became friends, but it wasn't self-evident at our first meeting. Uh, I was, I'd moved to Abu Dhabi in 93. A friend of mine, Salama, invited me to go uh, meet her friend. And at that time, we had just left Kuwait. The invasion had happened. Mm -hmm. We were displaced. We were really very, you know, affected by that and, and, you know, very angered. And so I was wearing at the time a red T-shirt. I had come back from playing squash. I was wearing a red T-shirt and on it was written free Kuwait. And I'm mm -hmm. going to an Iraqi person's home wow. in Abu Dhabi. Wow. You know, that sensitivity was lost on me at the time. Um I was looking at things from one lens and one lens only. Of course, it was a very difficult period for people. It was a very divisive time for our region. We were both uh, there yeah, during the invasion. In the invasion. That's, that was a crazy, crazy, crazy time. Right. And people ended up on different sides of, of, of the issue for yeah. various reasons, mm. family, personal, political. And so Reem looks at me and Salam introduces us and I have free Kuwait and I explain I came from Kuwait. How could Iraq do that? And she's, you know, 
Iraqi and very proud Iraqi that had been here since 1982. And so we got into a bit of a conversation. And after that, we realized that there's really a lot more that we have in common than that issue. And we've become really good friends since. We, wow. And well, we did battle on the squash uh, court. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the area that we agreed that we could... We could battle out, battle it out. That's amazing. That's why you took out your frustrations. Yeah, I love that. But Reem is a great, great hostess. She's uh, uh, you know a real pillar of the Iraqi community in the UAE and in Abu Dhabi. Having come here in the eighties, she keeps up. She keeps her traditions very strong in R- Ramadan. Her Ramadan table is uh, and Ramadan iftar is a must to go to um, as well as her uh, Eid her Kleche all those traditions it really for me has been was very a very welcoming um, part of Abu Dhabi incredible Uh, she's in the 80s part of the book Um, there are others as well Uh, we don't have time to go through all of them so I want you to kind of pick for me you know some of the stories that really stand out for you and and, um, you know those people that stand out here for you Obviously, there are many. Yeah, there's many. It's (laughs) kind of hard to do that. But the one thing I would say is that by organizing the book by decade, what I found out about all of these people who I've known is, is... how how the city changed. Right. So the people that, that we meet in the 2000s, you know, Rania and Salim, Rolana and Mohanad, uh, uh, Sheikha, Salama, these people are like their stories are so different. The lifestyle they're leading, the things that they're doing, the there's a lot more of like an entrepreneurial spirit um, than necessarily when we first came in the 70s and 80s. Um, so it, I would say that's that's what I found interesting and sort of like a, a, a an aggregate picture because everyone there, the more I got to know them, the more I talked to them, was really, yeah, and it was very very uh, eye opening and and enjoyable. And people from literally every corner of the world, um, which is quite extraordinary. I love the the titles of each chapter. So, 1960s start to simmer, 1970s bring to the boil, uh, 1980s low and slow. Um, then you've got lift the lid on the 1990s uh, and the 2000s are a whole new course. I love it. And it, it's funny because um, we found out through this book that we both had the same fitness trainer as well. Nathan Brown is in it. <laughs> that is bizarre. <laughs> that is so bizarre. Nathan Brown was one of the first people we met in the 90s when the Abu Dhabi, the, what was then called the Abu Dhabi Health and Fitness Club opened. It was It's now the Abu Dhabi Country Club. And Nathan shows up and he brings a new fitness program called Lay's Mills. And we just, you know, we became a really tight community. We would work out daily if we could. Our kids hung out at the club. Yep. And Nathan introduced us to a whole new way of working out. And I love then- it. I love it. So many uh, really, really uh, excited people to, to be listening to this on Instagram Live and watching as well. Um, we're going to give you a little bit more of a close-up of the book in, in a minute. Um, but Jojo says uh, she loves your banana bread uh, recipe because she says banana bread is one of my favorite things. Uh, she's asking, uh, what is the most decadent recipe featured in Table Tales? Well, if we if we're gonna talk decadent, it would need to be sweet, mm-hmm. and I would say there's two there that are really pretty sweet and pretty delicious. It's Alia Amin's uh, chocolate fondant with uh, ice cream and or whipping cream. 
And it's Sheikh Al-Kabi's Lugemat, which nice. are the sinfully sweet fried dough, uh, fried dough, basically. But th- they're donuts. They're basically round exactly. donuts uh, dipped in. Did she do them with date syrup? Yes. Yes. So with dibis, tamar, with the date syrup. You just can't, like, if there was a bucket of Lugemat, yes. it still wouldn't be enough. Absolutely. Quite frankly, it's just one of those things you just can't. There's never enough Lugay Mat in the world. Simply sweet is what I call so them. So good. So they are. I love it. Okay, so these are some of the recipes. We're going to come back in just a moment uh, and uh, keep talking about this. Give the details. You're going to be at Rawi in Sharjah this weekend. Uh, plus, I want to ask you about the, the, uh, the cover of the book, which is exquisite, done by uh, master calligrapher, Wissam Shokat. We've got so much more to talk about with Hanan Sayed World next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. We're back with uh, Hanan. We are talking Table Tales, uh, her incredible uh, new book. Uh, that really showcases the history, the culture, the people of Abu Dhabi in uh, such a beautiful way and the food that brings us all together. Now, um, uh, we've been uh, talking about some of the personalities in the book as well, but actually the story um, behind how you put it together is really great. I love this. You were so meticulous about it and about, um, you know, how you were going to get it photographed. Tell me all about that. Yeah, that was a really. Now looking back on it, it's it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I wanted the. I knew that photography was going to be key. I'm I'm a photographer. I mean, a, a amateur photographer, but I I like documenting things. That's really where the impulse came. And so I knew the photography would be important, and I wanted to find a photographer to work with. Um, not having done a book before. And so I started out by asking around um, Gulf Photo Plus. My friend Mohamed Somji was really helpful and kind of pointing me in the right direction. And since food, it tends to be a unique thing. He gave me a few food photographers. So I ended up doing 10 different test shoots. 10 with, different photographers. With 10 different photographers, a couple in Lebanon and as well here. And ironically, the photographer, uh, Martin and Heike, photographer team that I finally worked with, were in Berlin. Wow. So it was really one of those fluke, a friend of mine. Did they come out here? And, they and came out here, three different trips. But they did the test shoot in Berlin at a friend's house, Monica, who introduced me to them and who had lived in Abu Dhabi and kind of knew the spirit of what I was trying to capture. And so they went to her home. They did a test shoot based on sort of a spec that I sent to them. And they sent me the photos and I was like, hmm, all right, this can work. And I said, would you come out? And they were willing to take the risk and come out and do the test, do, you know, a couple shoots here. And if we liked it, we'd proceed. And if not, they just, you know, that was their, they came out. And we loved them. They had great personality, easy to work with. Because, it's you know, it's you're not just picking a photographer. You're also picking a collaborator and someone who is enthusiastic about the things that I am and is, you know, looking through Abu Dhabi, at Abu Dhabi through my eyes and also able to be in people's homes and be very sensitive to that and discreet. And, you know, I have 40 different people with different cultures and different backgrounds. So that, that was really a big part of also picking the photographers. Amazing. Team. And it took you how long to put the whole thing together? 
The book I started on January 2015 in mm -hmm. terms of conceptualizing. So mm -hmm. you'd say about three and a half years. Amazing. Um, yeah. And I had to figure out every step of the way on my own. So I you didn't to start coordinate off. everyone. Coordinate everyone, figure out the, the balance between the photography, the recipes, and the writing. Because yeah. I also wanted the writing and the stories to be dominant from the onset. And along the way, many of the participants, our friends would say, you're spending so much time. Our stories, you know, our stories are just normal. Like, what's the point? There's nothing really special. And I kept, I persevered on the story part. I'd sit people down. I'd interview them, even though I knew them. But I really wanted those nuggets of information or, or, or you know anecdotes that would be interesting to a reader and one piece of advice I got along the way from a good friend of mine a journalist Faiza was she said you're doing a book so at the end of the day your responsibility is to your reader so you have to keep that in mind and it's it you know it did help me keep focused um, in terms of what I was writing and what I was sharing. And you, you discovered a lot of interesting and surprising things about, about the people that you already knew, uh, but it gave you, gave you a whole new insight into them, right? Absolutely. I mean, when you're with somebody, you, when you watch, I say in, in the book, when you watch someone cook, you watch them live. So true. So true. And seeing people in their kitchen with their families. You were opening uh, cupboards. You were like, yeah, you looking were really through, in there. Looking for props, looking at family photographs, looking at their home to see what to photograph as well. Because the book is not just the pictures of food. It's also our, our homes, where how people live. Yeah. And it's hard to capture, obviously, the whole place. So I was really looking for what was representative of that person. So the heart it, of it. The heart of it. So it's their story, their home, and their food that yeah. come together. The calligraphy on the front cover by Wissam Shoket. Uh, hello, Wissam. Uh, you're amazing. We love you so much. Tell me about how that happened and what does it say? That's another funny story because I'd met Wissam maybe 10 or so years ago with another uh, friend and calligrapher, Mr. Muhammad Alam, who introduced me to Wissam, who lives in Abu Dhabi. And at that time, I wasn't really involved in the sort of calligraphic arts per se, um, even though I do come to the calligraphy biennales that are in Sharjah, and I, I follow that. And so the uh, book designer that I um, worked with was based in Berlin. They're called EPS uh, 51, and they're great guys, and they work with typography a lot. And when we came to deciding the cover, because we left the cover to the end, and it was we, I was hoping that some photo or, fo or, or selection of photos would emerge from the book that would be on the cover, and the publisher actually preferred that. But then the book was so photo-rich that it was hard to choose what would be that cover photo. Right. And the, the designers in Berlin kept pushing, you work with calligraphy. And I said, but I don't want a calligraphy that's kind of traditional, and so the, because the book is not a traditional book. And they're like, no, no, we have the best calligrapher to work with, the best artists. And I said, who is that? And they said, Wissam Shaukat in Dubai. So it was really the Berlin team that wow. brought us back to Wissam. Really? Yep. And they insisted and they said, he's the one to work with. And so we went back to Wissam and it was, you know, he obviously, since I'd met him, had really moved on and had has done some amazing work. And we talked about, he said, give me a few words that you want on the book. And so what did, what did you choose? So we picked Baraka, Al-Karam, Baraka, Al-Karam, uh, Generosity, Diyafa, Hospitality, Aishu Malh, uh, Salt and Bread, um, Al-Ma'ida, the, the Round Table, or the Table, which is yeah. obviously what the book is about. I love it. And then on the back cover, we have Sahana Afiyah. 
Of course. Elf Sahawafia. Uh but we can't let you go without giving out details of your appearance this weekend at a Rawi restaurant, which is very, very exciting. It's going to be a conversation uh with Zora Qureshi, uh friend of the show. Uh this is happening on Saturday. Saturday from five to eight at Arrawi Cafe and Bookshop on Al Majaz. I'm very excited to be there. Zora, I met Zora at the Sharjah Book Fair. She's amazing. She's proactive. She's actually read the whole book, yep. which is daunting now that we have to talk about it. <laughs> but come along. We're gonna be cooking. I'm gonna make. We're gonna make a couple of recipes. I've invited Chef Michael Reyes, who worked with me also on some of these recipes, and he works at a artisanal bakery in Dubai. He's gonna be coming down and doing a demo as well. And Fantastic. I can't wait for that. Hanan, we've run out of time. Absolutely incredible. I can't wait to get into the book myself. Um, just fantastic. Make your way down there to Arrawi. Get your book and uh, come in here. Hanan, tell the story as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for having me. I love your show. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, love having you. Uh, but of course, coming up as well, we're going to be having Mr. and Mrs. Muscle. We're going to be talking core strength. We're going to be talking how to get through the holidays with, you know, the endless parties and the food without, you know, doing too much damage. Uh, that's all coming up on Life Beats on Pulse. 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.